The Treasure of the Ancient King Part 1 The Forgotten Prince Chapter 6 Well, burn me eyes out with a copper ladle, if it isn't me old caravan fellow, Osbald with Grimestone. My cover was blown. Rabbi Moybray, I said, slapping him across the back. If I'm not mistaken, I have to say that your nose is growing slow to the scent. I almost got away without having to hear the ending. Nonsense, he shouted, holding me around the lapels. It's me eyes which are sharp, if anything, my boy. I ken there was a grimestone in tow, when I caught the smell of a pig's liver, riding over the rest and be thankful at the top of the valley, said Rabrin. Now, now, Rabrin, you know I'm sensitive about that. We embraced. Still, I began to query, brushing some of the dust from his jacket. Turning a yarn to earn your dinner, Rabbi. And you should know better than to get your rough in a twist over the indelicacy of youth. Following my comment, Rabrin turned to take a glance at Pathinia, who was chatting conspiratorially with the butcher and the fishmonger. It's me new national service, it is, Boyo, he defended. Someone must be here to pass a sense of duty onto their countrymen. You know I'd never question your methods, Rab, I said, backing away. But it looks like if I did, I wouldn't be the first to do so. Ha! shouted Parthenia, who had caught wind of our conversation from across the room. Mm, mm, excuse me, whispered a short man from behind us. It was the wizard again. I had almost forgotten his presence since he had sat down and become deeply invested in a short period of intense cogitation. I was wondering, Smoybray, if you were going to continue your story, he said. Cost me, good man said Rabrin. Osbaldwick, don't you leave me. Not now I've caught you. I owe you a glass of brandy. I yielded to his wishes and took a seat once more. Whatever you could say about the man, he would walk over a fiery slate for an honest request from his audience. Ach, goo, he coughed, poking out his belly like a preening robin. As I was saying, he continued, the fiery dragon had escaped. But we'd taken our first glimpse of our enemy, and we were impatient to be making ready for our next meeting. We returned to the company straight away, and gun preparations for the assault on the citadel in earnest. Rabrin lifted his pipe from the table, and sucked it thoughtfully. It was then that I felt pressed to share my thoughts with the prince on the matter of... Hmm, excuse me interrupted a voice from behind me. It was the wizard again. Yes, replied Rabrin, pausing and squinting at the old man with his left eye. Thank you, Rabrin, continued the wizard. I was wondering if you could skip forward to the important scenes. For example, did Prince Bryanet reach the castle and meet with the dragon? Was he killed, or did he merely flee for his life when he realised he was outmatched? And what might you be suggesting? 
said Rabran incredulously. Dearest Bard, continued the wizard, bent over upon his birch staff, I have been deeply impressed by the subject matter of your story, and more pressingly, the verisimilitude it engenders with the facts of history to which it relates. I do not listen as an itinerant pedant, nor as an idle romantic, as to perhaps you are accustomed, but as a researcher to whom such information is of exceptional value. So, if you please, cut the waffle. If you are lucky enough to be personally acquainted with a professional actor or storyteller, you will be familiar with Sir Rabran de Moibray's following reversal of attitude towards the assertive magician. He exploded. Cut the waffle! And then imploded straight after with a squeak of self-pity. If I may say so, I find your manner frankly impious, considering your station. Finally, he regained his composure and pointed his finger at the non-plussed expression on the face of the stoic old warlock. Surely, surely you yourself, a magician, a great-grandson of Yusuf the Wise, you, a tender shoot sprung up from the mage's commune among the foothills of the glassy mountain, a student of the sacred writ and the law of Grafalda and his sons, surely you should realise that it is only in the tale well tilt that the heart of virtue will be seen in all its candour. The wizard was unfazed, and merely raised one of his tufty eyebrows laconically. Rabran continued, What say ye? Silence the battle cry of my comrades, as we assaulted the dragon's keep, will ye? Pour cold water on their courage. Deny them delicacy in the name of circumspection and erudition. And me listeners, have they nay earned an ear to the speeches of the mighty prince amongst the wreckage of the metropolis Freilein? He protested. Could ye honestly be asking that I save ye the account of me first sight of the Lady Freilein, the memorial of whose exquisite and clandestine beauty would be sorely missed? The wizard took no time to assess Rabrin's proposition. In a word? Yes, replied the wizard. The wizard placed his hand on Pathinia's tankard and began to tap out a tune. He hummed to himself, his eyelids tight with thought, while Rabran fumed breathlessly. But, just before Sir Rabran could add a word to his tirade, the wizard began again. After you had fought through the suburbs of the city and broken through the dragon's defences, he said, once you had found the attractive Lady Freylena in her prison, and once Falendia the dragon had inevitably returned from incinerating your allies, after that, well, please tell me, what did you do then? It was then that I had to take Sir Rabran onto one of my shoulders. It looked like he was about to fall over. It's a good story, Rabbi. Maybe another day. I whispered into his ear. The poor old soldier's lower lip was faltering like a toddler's, and his knees were beginning to wobble. I slapped him hard on the back again and said, Come on, Rab, I know that storming the dragon's keep is one of your favourites. He doesn't mean to say it isn't a good story. You're a goodly man, Grimestone, but it's all right, Sir Rabran declared, shoving me away. I can tell when me talents are surplus to requirement. 
He regained his self-control and took his place again at the centre of the room. As you wish, Wiz, retorted Rabrin. I'll accelerate as best I can. I cannot ask for anything more, replied the wizard. Rabrin took a moment, closed his eyes to imagine the scene, and a smile grew across his lips. Led by our indomitable mountaineer of a prince, Bryonet, we have made it up to the keep by climbing up the inside walls. He began very slowly, but speeding up considerably as the events came into his mind. But it had been a terrible rush. A second, much larger party had attempted to draw the dragon towards the north gate, and we couldn't rely on the distraction to be permanent. Finally, breathing the fresh air, feeling clean northerly wind cut at my cheeks, and having it washed the cloying stench of smoke and masonry dust from me paws, the view was refreshing, almost dizzying. The immense watery loch expanded in every direction below you. It made the soles of your feet grasp at what little piece of ground was available. What's more, rain clouds on the far side of the lake were racing across the sky in front of us. Rabrin was frozen in a trance as he recounted the details. Flightier clouds were, like birds of prey, dancing in the wind. Dark they was too, like claws and pincers, thirsty for blood. Me comrades, similarly overexposed and breathless from the climb, staggered around in the chilly noon sun just as I did. But Prince Bryonet had no time to waste. Like a brooding eagle, the dragon Falendir had shaped a huge nest upon the highest point of the tower, weaving it from wooden debris. Here, we guessed, he had imprisoned the Lady Freyrina. Bryonet straightway assaulted the construction. Bring your hatchets! he cried. We threw ourselves against the lumber heap with more haste than judgment, kenning that the dragon would be returning in a matter of minutes. To our pleasure, the hotchpotch of bedposts and mantelpieces were praised apart with relative ease, even if it left our hands littered with splinters. Lady Frelena, are you in there? shouted the prince, dragging on the rim of a large wardrobe. A quiet help, help could be heard. We redoubled our efforts, teaming up around the prince to pull on the wardrobe he'd found, in the hope that once this was extracted, all the rest would collapse in around Booted. Stand back, me lady, I shouted, as we heaved on this piece of furniture. Sure enough, with the force of five jittery soldiers on it, the wooden box slid out from under the massive pile. The structure slumped with a creak and granted us an opening. In all the motion of our surroundings, however, we was knocked off our feet. Strips of dust, shooting from every crevice, we were swallowed up in a yellowy cloud. I was laid flat on me back. A spade handle or some such item took a furrow in me hip. Aye, I can still feel it new. Smooth peppery dust settled on me eyelids. It began to drizzle with rain. Then I saw her. Innocent. Fragile. Like a songbird edging out toward the door of her cage, sunlight streaming through her olive blonde hair, tentative in the moist air, like the first door of spring, her eyes skipped. Whoa, whoa, hold it there, Buster, interrupted Parthenia angrily. I thought we were skipping that bit. Rabran shook his head and opened his eyes wide. Och, so sorry, 
I got a bit carried away there, ahem, he said. Truth be told, the experience had not left her ladyship the better for wear. She resembled a hedge, and her gown was browning at the seams. But you usually have to satisfy your audience, he explained. The wizard nodded, as if to say, that will not be required here. She should be forgiven her looks, continued Rabrin. She had been trapped for weeks on end, being fed on a diet of toasted rats and goat's milk. The prince, however, was gallant as ever. Stooping to take her by the hand, he removed his helmet to kiss her signet ring. So, ye must be the prince Bryanet, then, she asked. And if I've heard it correctly, we're to be married. She were a northerner, and by that I mean that the lady was not so familiar with the derriguer of the Ibernian court. That could explain her directness. Or perhaps she just wanted to put the poor prince on the spot? Um, yes, was all the prince could reply. Fear was written across his face. I swear his knees were shaking. Could this lion heart of a man really not face up to the terrors of the opposite sex? She curtsied. Well, it's a pleasure to finally meet you, the lady said to her suitor. Now a moment too soon. She laughed nervously. Thank you, she said finally and smiled at him warmly. Then she took a glance around at her other saviours and nodded gratefully. But Bryanet was lost for words. He was staring into his helmet. Lady Lenya, Marquess, what I wanted to say was... Prince? she asked him. Are you feeling all right? Rabrin closed his arms knowingly. He was white as a sheet. This comment elicited a handful of titters from Rabrin's audience, but he remained stock still in the face of hilarity, holding a hard expression of cold reserve upon his face. Yes, I would have laughed as well after seeing the prince's bashful demeanour. That is, if I had the time to take it in. But that would be accepting a slightly larger difficulty one which had pinned any mirth to the back of me throat. Rabrin paused for effect. It were a thirty-five-foot difficulty, to be exact. This excerpt was read by D.A. Clark, the author of the piece. Please note that this is a draft and as such does not represent the quality of the final version. If you would like to find more excerpts, please visit anchor.fm forward slash David 908.